you had mentioned it before. Uh, what is quote unquote Jewish about Einstein's theories? I know you wrote a whole book on this, but that's a, yeah, exactly. It's so it's so when the theory comes out, it's revolutionary. And revolutionary theories upset people because people cling to the old ways in which they were raised. And that was true in physics as well. And so there were a number of physicists who wanted to deny Einstein's new theory, which undermined Newton and the, the physics they learned and were teaching, the physics that as a physicist they identified with. And a number of them were Jewish nationalists. And Einstein was not just a scientist, he was politically active. And so to undermine Einstein, they referred to his science as Jewish physics in order to denigrate it. The question that Stephen Stern and I have is, well, is there any way we can make sense of that phrase? And say, yeah, you know, it is. Is there anything that we can, you know, use to justify the Jewish pride in Einstein being a member of the tribe. And there are a number of ways, you know, all the straightforward ways. The answer is no. But there was this one way that we realized is a Jewish way of thinking. And we're not saying that it came from studies. We know, for example, in high school, he did take uh, Jewish religion classes. We have a letter, at, two letters in exchange on Einstein's 50th birthday, his old Hebrew school teacher from high school sends him a letter congratulating him. And Einstein writes back saying, it is so wonderful to hear from you, right? I absolutely remember you and your classes. I just don't remember anything from the classes because I never paid attention. So we know, you know, there isn't a lot of uh, content connection, but there is a connection in terms of the way he thinks. And the way he thinks in his special relativity paper of 1905, the paper he uses to launch quantum mechanics in 1905, and again in his paper on the general theory of relativity in 1960, there is a way of thinking that is present in every single one. He starts with an experiment. He says, okay, here's an experiment, very simple, pixel. Okay. Got the experiment picture. The, the case of the 1905 relativity paper, he says, take a magnet and a coil of wire, put the coil of wire in a circuit. Now, hold the coil still and move the magnet through. What happens? Well, you get a current. Now, hold the magnet still and move the wire. What happens? Well, if you move it at the same rate, you get the same current. He said, it should be the same explanation, no matter which one's moving. But if you look at the physics of the time, this was the electromagnetic theory of James Clerk Maxwell. He gives two completely different explanations. One for a fixed magnetic field that isn't changing. The other is for a dynamic magnetic field that is changing. But he says, but it's the same situation. It just depends whether you're sitting on the coil or sitting on the magnet. And so he then goes to give a general account that allows for both of these different perspectives. Now, if you look at commutative reading, right? What happens, right? Well, we take a, a partial, we take a section of text. This rabbi says it means this. This one says, no, it means that. Which one's right? Well, it's not that one's right and the other's wrong. It's that 
each of these different interpretations gives rise to insight. And we need to have this larger understanding to see that no one perspective gives us complete uh, wisdom, that wisdom comes from understanding something from multiple perspectives. And in a certain sense, that's what Einstein does in all of his papers. He starts by saying, let's look at this experiment from one perspective. Now, let's look at it from a different perspective. Notice we have different physical interpretations. Let's now make them different sides of the same coin. It's not that we throw away either one. It's not that one is right and one is wrong, but there is this higher sense of wisdom that we get from understanding it from multiple perspectives. And again, it's not a causal claim. We're not saying that Einstein was influenced directly, but it is interesting that it matches so exactly. And if we take that to be you know, commutic reading to be the sort of quintessential mode of Jewish thought, isn't it interesting that that's exactly the sort of picture that Einstein uses? And Einstein's unusual. It doesn't strike people strange if we say that a musician or an artist has a style. You could look at a paper you've never seen, a painting you've never seen before and say, ah, must be Picasso. Or listen to a piece of music you've never heard says, must be Bach. But it's actually the same way with science. You think of science as being sort of formulaic, but it actually is creative. And what's interesting is Einstein is different in using that sort of methodological approach, which we argue is at least analogically categorizable as Jewish. 